On today's show, the Houston Rockets clock in at 24th on ESPN's offseason NBA power ranking. Should they be higher or lower on that list? And what do the other teams around them say about their chances to make the playoffs this next season? Plus, how does the Rockets' young core stack up compared to the other young cores in the NBA landscape? It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select... Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go there, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your once upon a time weekly co-host. I went and tracked him down. It has been a minute, but he comes back to us with a brand new title. Dr. Madison Moore, NBA draft enthusiast. You can track down on Twitter at Madman Leaks. Madison, it is so good to have you back on the show, man. Yeah, I was glad to be back, man. I really miss talking Rockets these last past months. They've been... Uh, let's just say uh, out of body, out of body experience. But we're back and we're ready to go. He's back and he's got a brand new title. He's got a brand new graphic on the YouTube side. He can't even see it right now, but he's got the little he's got the little doctor tag. So we're gonna do that for an episode. Make sure he's you know fully anointed now that he's back on the program. But we've got a lot to talk about today because even though we're in the dog days of the NBA offseason, of course. That doesn't stop the pundits and the talking heads from spinning their yarn and talking about whatever they can find to talk about. And the thing we're going to discuss today is ESPN's way too early offseason power rankings for the NBA's 30 teams and where the Houston Rockets ultimately landed on that list. Now, Madison, right from the jump, you know, power rankings have not been kind to the Rockets for a few years now, right? They've been the worst team in the NBA two years in a row, then they were bottom three this past season. So coming into these power rankings, I wasn't expecting them to honestly land where they were. Uh, they clocked in at 24th, which to me, right from the jump, I thought was a pretty favorable ranking, given that there's still a lot of unknowns about this team. And... The fact that they've been as bad as they have been the last few years, which again, this kind of, and we're going to get into this obviously, but some of the benefits of the moves that they've made both on and off the court so far through phase one of the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, for me, I thought it was a huge win for the Rockets. I mean, 24 is, is really uh, like favorable. I think, you know, ESPN, the guys at ESPN are drinking the Kool-Aid, like <laughs> the, the, the whole phase two, they even said, you know, quoted in the article, like that phase two, we're, we're ready to win. They know there's going to be an emphasis placed on winning. 
And I think that's what you get when you bring in veteran leadership like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. And when you have um, a top tier coach in, in M.A. Yodoka. And it also, I think, helped to see how the Rockets showed up in summer league. Um, I think that's a that was a big indicator and other talking heads, uh, NBA talking heads have talked about it on their on their platforms of how good the Rockets looked in summer league and that type of stuff you know, gives you good faith when it's doing away <laughs> way too early NBA uh, power ranking. So I was really pleased with it. I thought it was reasonable as well. I thought all the teams that we were ahead of, um, you could reasonably project us to be ahead of. And I thought a couple teams ahead of us, you could reasonably project that we could climb up uh, above them, but they were in the same vicinity of where I think uh, is a reasonable thing that we should um, project for our power rankings. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. It's it's kind of one of those where it's like you know they're they're not in the the basement the cellar of the NBA anymore, right? That's when when you yeah. look at those kind of bottom three, bottom five teams where you look at them and you're like, okay, those teams are guaranteed going to round out you know the top four, top five of next year's NBA draft lottery or or just lottery odds, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the Rockets, they're not there anymore. At least the perception of of what this team can be is no longer there, and that ultimately is a step in the right direction, like you were saying. And we're going to get into some of the teams that are situated around the Rockets, whether they should be ultimately maybe a little bit higher on this list or potentially a little bit lower, depending on where some of these other teams could ultimately shuffle out to. But I did like them at 24. So you, you were getting ready to say? Yeah, no, I love I, I like them at 24. And, and you take into consideration um, that the leaps that these young guys can still make. You know they're going to be running a competent NBA offense. There's going to be structure um, on and off the court, on the court uh, with Fred Van Vliet and off the court with the coaching. Now there's there's going to be – we know there's going to be running uh, competent NBA uh, sets, um, putting guys in position to succeed, and then you have winning players on this team in Fred Van Vliet. I mean, as far as everyone wants to talk about Fred Van Vliet's percentages, I mean, his plus minus does not lie. When when Fred Van Vliet is on the court, his teams are winning teams it, like every year. So, you know what I mean? So when you add that in at the point guard position, you you understand that the culture of this team is about to change and we're going to look like a competent NBA team next year. And if just one of our young guys take a leap take a leap or or three of our young guys just take a step forward we begin to be cooking with some real hot grease there uh, and, and should be moving up the power rankings in real life as well and when we look at this I, I I've kind of been projecting at this point I think 35 wins is kind of the floor for this team mm-hmm. moving forward I think that's a pretty safe place to be what do you look at when you look at where this team is at Madison what they've added with the veteran additions bringing in Udoka and hopefully again the young guys maybe taking some steps forward we know that Jalen Green is potentially poised for a year three leap Alperin Shingun same thing the way Jabari Smith Jr. looked in summer league Tari Eason as well there's a lot of guys that could take massive steps forward what is your win total prediction as it stands right now, we're recording this August 1st, 2023. So I, I kind of have a range. I'm I'm cheating, but I'll give you a real real number. Okay. Um, but I, I think the range is 32 to 42. I think we'll be within that 10-game stretch with 32 being the lower end and 42 being the higher end. And if we're being conservative, I think we fall in between there somewhere around 35, like you said. I think the Rockets need to come in in 35 and show some real improvement. And, and – I think 35 wins 
is what people may not be understanding or realizing is that I think the Western Conference, there are going to be a lot of good teams in the Western Conference, and there's going to be a jumble of win totals. So 35 wins in the Western Conference might be the 10th seed. It might be 35, 37, 39, 40, right, as you go up. I think all these teams, the win totals will be kind of spread out, and we won't have many 50-win teams, you know what I mean, Uh, and probably no 60-win teams. I think – I think the competition in the NBA is pretty much evened out. And there's a lot of young teams like the Rockets who are primed for improvement. So I think everybody should kind of be boxed in and at the same level and should make for a really exciting uh, uh, season for us. Which teams ultimately fall off this next season and which teams could the Rockets potentially leapfrog? We're going to take a look at some of the other power rankings and how the Rockets relate to some of the other teams on this board and what it means for their chances to make the playoffs this next season. We're going to get there in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run of the night on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And now... Is a fantastic time to go bet on some MLB action, especially if you're an Astros fan with the return of Justin Verlander. Be sure to go show some love to our sister show, Locked on Astros, if you are into the baseball side of things. And also go sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Madison, as we're taking a look at these power rankings and going through this list, let's go really quickly through the the five teams, or I apologize, six teams below the Rockets before you get to 24. So as it currently stands, and these are the power rankings that ESPN put out. So I'll put a link to the article in the in the description. You can go check it out yourself a little bit later on if you'd like to. They've got the Detroit Pistons ranked last. The Washington Wizards at 29th, the Portland Trailblazers at 28th, the Charlotte Hornets at 27, the Spurs at 26th, and then the Toronto Raptors at 25. Now, of all those teams that they've got ranked behind the Rockets, I'm in more or less agreement with all of them. The one that I could see being a team that maybe teams are a little bit too down on is the Raptors. I know they're coming off a really bad year. They just lost Fred Van Vliet. I don't know if I would be comfortable throwing them into the basement of the NBA quite just yet, but they're probably headed for more of that rebuilding territory over, you know, more likely than not at this point. So of those five teams, we look at those and two of them, are Western Conference teams, right? So we got Spurs and we got Blazers in there. And I think a lot of people are safely putting Spurs and Blazers behind the Rockets. Mm-hmm. So that means the Rockets are clocking at least 13th in the West. That means there's got to be two to three more teams that they've got to jump to be able to at least be in the conversation for the play in. And as this power ranking list goes, the next Western Conference team on the power rankings list is actually the Utah Jazz at 20th. Then they've got the Pelicans at 17th and the Minnesota Timberwolves at 16th. That's 
those are some significant jumps that the Rockets are going to have to make, at least by way of this power ranking alone, to be able to be in the conversation for that 10th seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible, though. I think it's possible. I mean, Utah Utah is well-coached. They're, they're well-primed, right? Um, um, but they did lose their starting point guard. <laughs> you know, they might have some, some real growing pains in that. I, they, I think they're going to roll out um, – Jordan Clarkson as the starting point guard this year. And that is a combo guard. You know, it'll be interesting to see him run the team. Um, And there's some room for growth. I mean, uh, Utah fell down the ranks after they lost Mike Conley and uh, uh, another one of their players um, at the deadline. So I think there's, there's room for us to improve there and they don't have the type of upside the Rockets are working with. So we could be working with some grease there. It it also still kind of feels like Danny Ainge is just waiting, you know, chomping (laughs) the bit to tear that thing down to the nuts and bolts and, and really like fire sale some players. But to this point, like everybody thought he was going to go in and do that in Utah. It's the Mm -hmm. exact same playbook that he ran in Boston and how he got the Celtics to where they are now with all their young talent, with Tatum, with Brown, and he hasn't done that yet. So he might be going about it a little bit differently this time around. So it kind of wait, you know, remains to be seen how they're going to navigate the talent that they do have and whether or not they're going to keep most of these pieces or at some point if they're going to try and flip guys like Laurie Markkinen, Jordan Clarkson, whoever else, to try and get further additional assets back. Yeah, I mean, I, you, we know Angel do it. You know what I mean? If, if they're overperforming and that's not what he likes to see, you know he'll do it. And if they're seeing if Keontae George is their starting point guard in the latter half of the season, the Rockets could be really proud to take a jump and and, and climb up uh, the ranks on them in particular. But then we got Pelicans and Timberwolves, and those are two teams that I feel like. They shouldn't, like the Rockets shouldn't be better than those teams on paper, but there's so much, I I feel better about saying like the Rockets have a chance to jump the Timberwolves. Like they've got, that that organization is a mess right now. They went all in on the Rudy Gobert thing and they had to walk it. Like it. So the only thing I'd say about those Timberwolves, I think they're kind of built to be a good regular season team. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like they're sure. gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be a stable defensive team with the with their size, mm-hmm. right? They're gonna win games for regular season, and then you still have to take into account that Anthony Edwards is also like a young player that could take a leap at any moment. And uh, a lot of people used to think about the the second year jumps and the third year jumps, right? And a lot of those jumps are happening happening now in the in t- uh, players' fourth years because. They're learning how the NBA NBA is adapted to them, and now they need to adapt to the NBA. And so we thought we kind of saw Anthony Edwards kind of flatline, uh, stay pretty much the same his first, his second and third year. And I think this is the year where he takes a John Morant like superstar jump. And so I'd be worried about that. And now they have a real point guard, Mike Conley. Um, so and I think they're gonna shop towns, honestly. But <laughs> but I. I I'd be worried. I think they good, are more good luck to whoever bites on that bait and takes Carl Anthony Towns. I, to me, he is one of the most anti-winning players in the entire association. So, yeah, I kind of feel the same way about Towns as I did uh, with Ben Simmons during the James Harden package. It's just like s- certain players, you know. Yes, this is a good player. Yes, this is an All-Star level player. But some players are just not as good as they need to be in the playoffs. <laughs> and and Carl Anthony Towns definitely fits that bit. So we've got the Timberwolves, and again, they, you know, maybe maybe Anthony Edwards things pan out a little bit better mm-hmm. for him this this go around. He takes another leap going into year four. 
the Pelicans are a weird one, right? Because they've got the whole Zion situation going on. They were they were a top team last year without Zion, right? They were a good, good team without Zion. When they've been healthy, they've had a lot of success. I, no, I'm willing. Wait, are you are you pushing back on them being a good team without Zion? Because they were. They're they're not. So they were not. I don't think they. So what happened was they were a top team until Zion went out. And then they became a middling team. They began to fall down the standings during the. During but then the they lost. They lost Ingram too, and that was the issue. Is oh they, yeah, like, yeah. So they lost. So awesome. so like, but without it was basically as long as they had one of Ingram or Zion, they were doing mm-hmm. just fine. It was when they oh, missing both of them coincided. They mm-hmm. they started to really plummet a little bit, and then it took some time for them to get you know Ingram rolled back into things once he did come right. back and. So right. I, I don't know. They're a tough team. And this is why when I look at that team, I'm thinking, man, if you could get anything of relevance for Zion at this point, like it doesn't even have to be another star player back. Just get two upper echelon like role players and you'd be in a prime position to be competitive for the next five years or whatever because they've got a really good core over there. I like what they're doing in New Orleans, but until they figure out what the Zion situation is going to look like, I feel like that situation's kind of in flux. And so they could be a team that falters a little bit if <laughs> they're trying to reincorporate him into into what they're doing and it doesn't work out or he misses more time and they don't have that chemistry that consistency factor at play anymore I, I don't know that could be I, that could easily be the team I think that drops below the Rockets in the pecking order this next season yeah I mean injuries I mean their they're, injuries have plagued not just Zion but also B.I. B.I.'s you know missed a considerable amount of time and as you said they fall down the rankings and CJ had a down year last year. So, you know, it, they're, they're definitely uh, room for us to to overtake those type of guys. And with Borrego coming in as the lead assistant, that puts another type of pressure on that team, uh, team's head coach and, and everything, everybody to perform. But, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think the Rockets – the Rockets have a have the chance to overtake all of these teams, but and it's because of the young talent. Should, I think should, should just, we should we throw one more into the mix here since they were ranked at fifteenth and just just yeah we'll, go ahead the OKC Thunder we got we got to we got to throw them in there too. Not uh, just if only because like so you look at it right. The, obviously Shea played like a top ten guy this past season. They're bringing in Chet Holmgren. They're bringing in Casey Wallace. They they they're well coached. I don't ex- I maybe I don't expect the Thunder to necessarily regress this next season, but you could also make the argument that they overachieved this past season. So if they do, if they did overachieve this past season, then maybe they do regress a little bit back towards the mean. And then the Rockets are very much in that same position that they were this past season where you're flirting for that final spot in the play in tournament. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's certainly we just seen the Timberwolves overachieve a year a year ago, not last year, but a year ago, and then see them kind of flatline when once those moves were made. And so, it, you know, these teams can off, often uh, growth is not linear, and there's some speed bumps in the way, and they definitely can run into some speed bumps. And one of the bumps that I think they may learn uh, run into is just having too many guys to play siphoning off some of those uh those those good minutes from Jalen Williams and uh and and uh Josh Giddy so because everybody deserves minutes excuse me since everyone deserves minutes you're gonna be trying to squeeze in minutes with these other players because they you want to grow and they are productive players but you're not getting the best production by maximizing Jalen Williams Josh Giddy these other ancillary pieces that we know are better players but they're not playing 36 to to 38 minutes and more at the 32 mark and giving other teams opportunities to make up the uh the difference there. 
No, and I, I that that makes a ton of sense. And look, Chet Chet is going to have some growing pains. It's it's mm-hmm. you know truly his rookie year, so that's going to be a, a big learning curve for him. Even though he basically got to redshirt his freshman year, he was with you know the Thunder strength and conditioning program. He was around the team all season, so it's a mm-hmm. bit of a different dynamic than a traditional rookie year. So he's probably a bit more equipped and ready to go, you know, in his rookie year than another rookie would be coming straight out of college or overseas or the G League or OTE or something like that. But he's still going to have an adjustment period for sure and it also depends right on what the Thunder's goals are this next season because if their goals are to win and to compete at a high level and to make the playoffs then that does change ultimately Mm -hmm. who's going to get the minutes right it's you know, we could see them place less of an emphasis, less of a, less of a priority on playing those young guys and letting Chet get his 30-plus minutes a night for development purposes. And we might see some games where if he's playing poorly, he just gets benched because yeah. they have other better guys on the roster that have already helped them get to the playoffs once before. And if that's where – if that if that's where their eyes are set and that's where they want to get back to, then they're going to have to have a certain level of standards, requirements, that kind of thing, very similar to – the message that Ime Udoka has had when he's come in here to Houston is it's been, you know, guys have just been getting their minutes these past couple of years. Um, it's been kind of whatever. Now there's going to be requirements. You're going to have to earn your spot, mm-hmm. earn your minutes, earn your keep, all of that. And that messaging has been really consistent from Ime Udoka coming, uh, coming into this role coaching the Houston Rockets. Coming up, want to get into a little bit of the comparisons here with some of the other young cores around the NBA. We talked about the OKC Thunder there for a moment. We'll talk about some of the other young cores and how the Rockets' young core actually stacks up by comparison. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, the one thing, Madison, that this list via ESPN doesn't necessarily take into account is it's accounting for the entirety of the team, right? It's accounting for coaching. It's accounting for all these different variables. But the one variable that I want us to focus on here in this final segment is actually kind of the most important one as it relates to the Rockets and many of these other young teams around the NBA is how we would compare, how we would rank the young cores around the NBA landscape. And We can do this under all sorts of different parameters. We're not going to get super strict with the rules here because otherwise I'm going to have to bust out like an Excel spreadsheet and cross-reference like date of birth times and all this stuff. We're not going to do all that. We're going to do a a general generic ballpark like 24 and under, 25 and under, like whatever, you know, what a young core counts as, right? Everybody knows what a young core counts as. So... When we look at some of these teams, you know, we see that there's, you know, the Pistons, the Blazers, the Hornets, the Spurs. There's a lot of teams that are down on these power rankings, and understandably so, because these are teams that are probably going to be bad for the next handful of seasons as they're developing and rounding out the rest of their young core. I will say I am a little shocked that the Pistons are clocking in so badly at 30th, but as we're looking around the NBA landscape, Madison, how do you want to do this? Do you want to, let's, let's. Let's tackle maybe five. We'll do the the five best young cores in the NBA. Do you want to? Let's start with number five and work our way to what we think the best young core in the NBA is. How's that? Yeah, let's let's do it. I mean, I wish. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's. Do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to accidentally say. No, no, no. We're, 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 we're gonna time. we're gonna we're gonna figure this one out on the fly. Right, let's um, do it. I think I, you know I'm torn out because there's a couple guys in here. I want to. I'm gonna go with. Orlando Magic number five. Orlando, okay. So I, what? So so why Orlando? 
I, I, well, first off, I really like what they've got with Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner, right? Like they've, they've kind of got their two main offensive focal points. And now it feels like they've been prioritizing filling out the roster around those two guys, right? They're very committed to building around those two guys. And as they continue to find the right pieces, now they, they struck out in free agency. Um, but that's not a factor for this conversation, I suppose. But when you look at what they've got with Paolo, with Franz, uh, bringing in, why am I blanking, Anthony Black and Jet Howard, uh, yeah. they added some playmaking, they added some shooting, they added some size. I like what they've got going on there. I think they've probably got maybe another year or so of being like a bottom five team. However, they actually, they took they took a bit of a leap this past year. Yeah. So they kind of, they their expectations might be a little bit different. I'm just down on them making another leap because they didn't add much in the way of like veteran support, but their mm-hmm. actual young core is really solid and really yeah. exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I I have Orlando a bit higher. Okay, um, I actually am really high on Orlando's core. I guess we'll just talk about it. I mean, for me, I think Orlando has hit a great medium of having top tier high field players that are versatile. Right. And so when they grow together in that versatility and I like that they are playing together early and young and earlier, it helps them share the ball. A lot of people view Paulo as one of these heliocentric players where the whole game could be um, designed around him. Um, And I think him being able to play with other playmakers in a team where everybody can make plays for one another he'll be able to grow in not just a heliocentric way, but in a team context. I mean, I often wonder, you know, if Mike D'Antoni never came to Houston, how James Harden's growth may have changed. Um, And, you know, in that sense, and he wouldn't have been so, so ball dominant, even though he could, he was so incredible at that. We often find that that load is often too much for one player to to hold. Um, so I like to see that Orlando's developing their young gut players in the way they're doing where multiple ball handlers, multiple passers on this team, and they already have an all-star level player who 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 seemingly can be a superstar. And as well as Franz has a sky high ceiling. And I think there's some some other young guys on that team. I'm still in on Jalen Suggs. Count me on the record, still in on that guy. Once he gets his hands together, it'll be over. Um, and and I like Anthony Black. So I, I really like the Orlando Magic. But for number number five, for me, I think this is, would surprise some people, but I'm saying the San Antonio Spurs. And I say the San Antonio Spurs, a lot of people will have the San Antonio Spurs. Wimby Stan. Yeah, right. The, 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 you know, people just see Wimby and say, number one, number one, number one. Well, Wimby still has to prove himself in the league. And when you look outside of Wimby, San Antonio doesn't have much top tier talent. Their, their other young talent is Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, Malachi Branham, Keldon Johnson. I'm not going to say any of those guys. Look, Vassell, Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson have taken their turns cooking the Rockets, the right? We've seen Jeremy Sohan bully some of the Rockets players. Malachi Branham, I'm not going to turn my nose up at him. But do those names, like, they're not. They're not like sexy young names. They're just not. No, they're not top tier talents. No. You know, they they don't have the type of star upside. They they might make an all-star game or two. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, projection-wise, they don't seem like the type of guys that that grow into superstars, right? While the other teams on my list have multiple young players who have the possibility of becoming superstars on that team. And so even though Wimby has a chance of being the best player out of all of the the young cores, it is, to me, the the cores around him have the least amount of upside. 
I can I can get with that, and I and I, I respect that. I don't have San Antonio in my top five young cores, because no. <laughs> I I haven't I haven't bought into the Wimby effect quite just yet. And again, a big part of that is is from what you said. You know, the the future upside of a lot of the pieces outside of Wimby is just not impressive right now. And this will change, right? San Antonio is going to have a couple of years to bottom out, be bad, and you know, hopefully, well, not hopefully. I hope they don't add a lot of talent to Wimby. But from a Spurs perspective, they're hoping to add a lot of talent around Wimby over these next couple of years, these next couple of drafts. Uh, number four coming in, I got to go with Detroit Pistons. I really like the Pistons young core. I love what they built over there. Even though Cade missed a chunk, you know, this, this last season due to injury, you know, he, I think is, I, I still really like what Cade brings to the table as a player. I also was always really high on Jaden Ivey. Um, they added Asar Thompson to that mix. They've got Jalen Duran. They have a very, very exciting young team over there. So, Honestly, and then you you still have Isaiah Stewart, and whether or not Killian Hayes actually turns in anything, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what Killian Hayes ultimately becomes, right? Because people were like heralding him as like, you know, the second coming of James Harden when he first stepped into the league. I know KOC was like crazy high on him, had a number one on his draft board, all that. But he's still incredibly young. He's still 22. Maybe he turns into a really stellar like six-man type role. Who knows? They have a ton of young talent. I think pound for pound, they might have the most young talent side by side with like the Houston Rockets than any team in the association. Yeah, I mean, Detroit's comes in at four as well for me. Okay. I love Detroit's team. Uh, I, I actually love the talent on their team. I'm not really a fan of how much they've stacked the similar talent on top of each other. Uh, in specific, the the young bigs. I think I think there's a log jam for all of the young bigs that's there. But in and of itself, that talent is is amazing. I'm still all in on Kate. I think Kate's going to be a great player. I love Jaden Ivey. Like I love Jaden Ivey. I think Jaden Ivey is going to be great. I think he, uh, once he learns the game and begins to slow down, he's going to be an all star superstar level player. Um, and everybody knows that Asar Thompson was one of my, you know, top guys in the draft. And so I love the uh, bringing in him. I just worry about uh, lack of veteran leadership for their development and lack of fit for the, the players on that team. I think their fits are not seamless, even when, you know, a lot of like both Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham need the ball to really be effective early on. Um, Asar Thompson is not going to stretch uh, stretch the floor for those young guys, you know. And so it, I worry about their development because of fit. Um, so that's why, for me, they're, they're number four. And I have some of the other teams ahead of them. Why are you worried about leadership on that team, Madison? They're not getting after it like they're supposed to. <laughs> Not our issue anymore. No, they've got, look, they've got Monty over there. I, again, that's why I was a little shocked that they were as yeah, low Monty. as they were because I think Monty, and and that's that's the role that Steven needs to be in, right? Is, is Silas mm -hmm. needs another guy to be, you know, uh, above yeah. him and to kind of call the shots. And again, wishing him all the best, but I'm, I'm still going to get these jokes off. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're both at the clock and it pisses number four. This is where I'm going to get, I, I feel like I might get flambéed a little bit here. I'm going to put the Rockets at three. Okay. I'm going to put Houston at three and the team that I'm torn because my, my reasoning for the team that I have at two and then the team that I have at one, it might get me a little bit cooked here, but I'm going with, going to go with the Rockets at three. We've hashed out what their young core is, but just for a refresher, right? Jalen Green, Amon Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason, Alperin Shingun, the young core six, if you will. You can also, if you'd like to, you can include Kevin Porter Jr. in that young core discussion as well, you know, rounded up to 
core seven. Um, that's clearly the core seven that the Rockets are trying to build around and that are going to be here for at least the relatively foreseeable future, right? I, I don't think at this point KPJ looks like he's going anywhere. His role is just different moving forward. And I still mm -hmm. maintain a little bit of optimism that in this new role under Ime Odoka, they can hopefully get the most out of him going forward. I love I love what the Rockets have done, right? They have a sky-high ceiling, and I do think that when you look around the other young cores of the NBA landscape, you look at Jalen Green, future superstar potential. Amin Thompson, future two-way superstar potential. Jabari Smith Jr., star potential. Cam Whitmore, insane upside potential, very raw. Tari Eason, at a minimum, has probably the highest floor of that group. And then Alperin Shingun, another star-caliber potential player. And maybe this is just looking at it with the red-tinted shades on, probably a little bit. But I think the Rockets do have the most young pieces that have a chance to hit on their star upside potential. That's the one. That that is why the Rockets come in number two for me. Okay. okay. Um, although the Rockets have not uh ironed in and penciled in their superstar, like some of these other top teams that are, that's on this list, a list like uh Paulo Bancaro or Shea Gilgis or uh Jayla Williams, even though we don't have the all-star, the superstar guy that we're pretty sure is gonna be a superstar yet. We do have the most young talent with high-end upside. And if we're talking about young cores, that has to count for something. And I also think Rafael Stone has done a very good job of picking guys that can play together. All these players, I feel like, can play together. They have uh, – they have uh, uh, a lot of them have uh, – over, overlapping where one's weakness is another's strength. And I think that'll really help them in their development. Uh, these guys can pick up for one another. And because like you said, there's six guys with, I think all-star level uh, talent. Tari's maybe questionable on that, but I could see Tari, Tari Eason turning into the Swiss army knife, the X factor on a championship team. I think that screams Tari Eason's role. And that those are the players. Those are the Draymond Greens, the, you know, the, the, the Dennis Rodman's I, I could see that easily happening, happening for him. And I think our young cores, I think we have a good chance of maximizing at least two guys on this team. And Alperen Shingun has already shown that he has all-star level upside. And if he's actually grown another two inches, I think y'all need to watch out because this guy's going to be able to play drop. And so it's, it, it, it could be, it could get really ugly for, for the rest of the league with, with the talent we've occurred. He's going to be able to play drop and he won't have to only play drop. Thank right. God. Okay. Um, so you had, so you actually had the Rockets too. Who do you have at three? Oh yes. So at three, it just left my head. Orlando. That's who it left. Orlando. Okay. So you so have, I have that. I have that. Three. Yeah. So we already talked about Orlando and I have Orlando ahead of, uh, Detroit, um, uh, because I think Paulo Bancaro is already proven that he's probably going to be a superstar. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a superstar. So they already have that. And they already have a guy who's pretty, pretty likely to be an all-star as well. All right, so so you so we so we've knocked out our our respective twos and threes. Or sorry, well we we've done your three and your two. My two is the one where I'm. This is gonna. This might be a little bit of a hot take, but I'm, I'm gonna defend it here for a moment. Okay. Memphis. Yeah, I see that. It's, Memphis it's is tough. On there. It's tough, right? Because for Memphis. They're too old, right? No, I said I said 24, 25 was like the cutoff. And here's the thing. It's okay. it's two main guys, right? It's two main guys. It's 
it's Triple J and it's Ja, right? But those are two guys that have already, they've already, they're proven talents. They're proven star level talents, right? If all you had, if all you were doing was building a team and you started with Ja and Triple J, you would be ecstatic, right? The Rockets would be over the moon if any of their two, two out of their six, seven young guys hit at the level that Ja and Triple J have. Rockets rebuild is a success, right? And all they need is two of those guys to hit, right? If they get more on top of that, it's gravy. So for me, I'm putting Memphis there at two because everything that they do is built around Ja and Triple J. Ja is their offensive engine. He's the guy that stirs the drink for them. And then Triple J is their defensive phenom, right? He's the guy that causes mismatch nightmares. You slot him at the four, you, you run him at the five. He is a DPOY caliber player year in, year out. I think you have to go with those. It, it, and that doesn't look, they've got other guys. They've got Santi Aldama. They've got Zaire Williams, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia. They've got some other young pieces, some mm-hmm. nice complimentary pieces, not insane, crazy upside, but just from those two guys alone, I have to give Memphis the edge and put them at two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I didn't have Memphis in this list because I, I kind of wasn't considering them, but right? I think they you, should be considered. Yeah. They should be considered. And if I, when I, if I was to do that, I probably put them at one or two. Um, I think we both have the same number one and then just slide everybody else down from my list. But I, I, I definitely think so because this is a proven team. They've proven that they're, they're winners. They're proven they're a top team in the West um, and they, and they're young, you know what I mean? So you already have a defensive player of the year on your team and you already have a, 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 a superstar like engine on that team uh, under 24. So that young core, that duo right there, has already proven they can win in this league, and they're ahead of all these other young cores. So I, I definitely agree with that. I can I can get down with that. Yeah, and John Morant's improved his shooting ability quite a bit, so there's that too. Um, sorry, that jo- that joke didn't land. Oh man! Wow. Oh man! No, <laughs> bro, you got it. <laughs> oh no! Oh man! I was, I was like, I was it like, went straight I was over like, his head. He didn't. <laughs> okay. Did. Okay. 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 All right, and our last one here, where we lose all of our street cred with Rockets fans. Oklahoma City Thunder, number one. Yeah. As much yeah. as it pains me to admit, and I think we 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 probably have similar similar logic on this one. First off, um, SGA has to be included in this. Superstar. Superstar, right? He's a top 10 player in the NBA, maybe top to 15, depending on who you talk to. But he's taken that superstar level leap uh, that a lot of people thought he was capable of. But then you even even looking past SGA, right? Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, Kaysen Wallace, Usman Dieng, Jalen Williams, again, J-Dub and J-Will. <laughs> yeah. That is a stacked cast of talent with some with some really impressive upside there you've got star upside in Chet Holmgren in Jayla Williams and Josh Giddy. Case and Wallace is probably going to be a really good ancillary piece for them Jang is still figuring out his situation but he's more of a pet project kind of thing for that team at this point um I really like what the Thunder have put together and they take the edge over the Rockets again because they've got their bona fide superstar right exactly and the the problem is too, even if you factor out SGA, like that pound for pound, that young core versus the Rockets young core, I, I might give the edge to the Rockets, but it's very close. Yeah, no, no, they match up well. I mean, like we said, when we were talking about the Rockets young core, I mean, we had five five guys with legitimate star upside. Well, none of them have actually reached that star upside. And Shea Gilders Alexander is a superstar, not an all-star, a superstar, right? So that automatically votes them ahead. And then I think they they match up with us because they have three other guys with all-star to superstar upside. I think both 
J Dub and um and uh Chet have superstar upside as well. And so that kind of matches up with the with the the amount of players, the sheer amount of players with star upside with us, and they've already checked one of those boxes with a superstar. So I will say Shay is 24, and our oldest young player with that potential is only 21, right? So, so you know, in age terms, we may be on you know similar similar levels, but I, I'll say since they've already proven it, they definitely get the edge there. But I think the Southwest Division, the Western Conference is in good hands with these young teams and all these young cores, and I think OKC is going to be a force to be reckoned with just next year. You know, if J if J Dub takes a leap and Chet gives them anything defensively and protecting the paint, which was their their worst, you know, their biggest weakness last year. If he gives them anything on that, and I think he will because he's great at rotations. Um, you know, really watch out for those guys. I mean, that that's gonna be a very, very dangerous team immediately. They were last year. Should the Rockets be ranked higher or lower on their power rankings? They clocked in at 24th. And how does their young core compare to the other young cores in the NBA landscape? Let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. But, Doctor, you know the drill. Let us know where to track you down at. Yeah, man, come interact with me on Twitter at, at MadmanLeaks or on X, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, come on over there, interact with me. We'd love to talk ball. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.